when I was younger, I never really had that sort of role model. And now I'm hoping that I can be that person for a lot of people. And I've already received like so many messages. And yesterday at the ground, we managed to interact with some of the crowd and take pictures and stuff. And the amount of people who, you know, felt so inspired by, you know, just watching all of us out there in the field was just amazing. Welcome to another Cricket Scotland podcast. I'm Jake Perry. And I'm Rosie Ryan. Well, we saw the Scottish weather bare its teeth for a second time last weekend, with a few games washed out in the east. But there was plenty of completed action to talk about, and we'll be joined by Gary Heatley in a little while to do just that. We'll be hearing about the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup, as well as the Eastern and Western Premier Division action. And there'll be all the news from another great day in the Women's Super Series too. Brian Clark, Matthew Tweedy, Katie McGill, Becky Glenn and Lorna Jack will be with us as we look back on another fascinating weekend. But first, our congratulations to Gallo who defeated Dumfries in the final of the Borders T20 to advance to next Sunday's final day at Arbroath. They will meet Forfisher in the semis whilst Fergusley play Carlton. Some great cricket to look forward to there. And well done, too, to Grange, who defeated Clydesdale in the final of the Under-14 Scottish Cup. There's been plenty more Scottish interest in the 100 this week, too, with Catherine and Sarah Bryce, both in the thick of the action for the Trent Rockets and Oval Invincibles. On Thursday, Catherine took the wicket of Tammy Beaumont and a terrific catch to dismiss Deepthi Sharma, as her side beat London Spirit to claim its first win of the competition, while Sarah took two more catches and scored 29 in the Invincibles' narrow four-run loss to the Northern Superchargers. But it's one of the stars of Birmingham Phoenix that is joining us today, Abdaher Maksud, who has made quite an impression on the competition already. Abdahar, welcome. It's so good to see you. And it's hard to know where to start with everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks. But could you summarise the 100 experience so far? Um, I mean, honestly, it's been an unreal experience. It's been so surreal. Um, it's nothing I would have ever dreamed about, to be honest. Um I think it's just the amount of support that I've received from everyone, like obviously friends and family and like the cricket community in Scotland, like that was a given, but it's just like cricket lovers from like all over the globe. And yeah, like it's just crazy. Like the amount of support and stuff has been amazing. And the actual hundred experience, like going out there playing in massive stadiums in front of like 10,000 people is just, you know, it's huge. Um, so yeah, it's just been amazing. I'm so excited to see what else happens. Oh well, I mean, we've absolutely been loving watching you, and we'll talk a bit more about about that support in a little while. But the the last time I, I saw you was on the first day of the Super Series in our broth, a couple of days before you went down to Birmingham to meet up with the squad. So tell us what happened next over those those next few days. Um, yeah, so I was just honestly super nervous, to be honest. Like the next few days, I was just constant nerves. Um, and I had to obviously run about, get packed, make sure I was packed for like six weeks away from home. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was excitement, but it was mainly nerves. And then when I got here, it was 
I was still nervous but then the first training session I think after that that's when I was like yeah this is good this is you know I'm loving this I can't wait for the next six weeks um and then the nerves just kind of went away so when did you hear that you were in the team for that first game as well and and how did you feel about that um so I did not see that coming at all um I heard about two days before the game and I was absolutely buzzing you know I texted my parents they were like oh yeah we knew you were going to be in the team it's fine and I was like really (laughs) Um, but yeah no it it was crazy I didn't think I was going to be in it and then I was and now I've played what four games and it's just been amazing and and what do you remember of that that first game itself as well and I guess the experience for you um it was very overwhelming um uh, obviously walking out in front of so many people at, at Edgebaston as well, which is an amazing ground, um, was just huge and it was amazing. And after the game, that's when I realised just how big this was. You know, when I got my phone back and it was just blowing up with <laughs> notifications on Twitter and Instagram and I've suddenly got like so many, you know, thousands of followers and it's just crazy. Um, so that's when I kind of realised that, yeah, this is, you know, being at the 100, playing in front of this many people and with some amazing cricket stars is actually a really genuinely big deal. And it was that second game against the Manchester Originals that was that was just incredible too. I mean, you bowled the full 20 balls, seven dots, two for 14, and the wickets yeah. of Ellie Threlkeld and, and Mignon Dupria as well. I mean, we were going crazy here. How, how were you feeling? <laughs> Yeah, that was a little bit surreal, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I everything just kind of went right that day. Um, I was really nervous before that game, um, but once I kind of started bowling, the nerves went away and I felt so much more at ease. And I had my friends and family at that game as well. So I had um, my brother and his wife and, his two, and her two sisters and my three friends who came all the way from Glasgow to come see me and... We were at Old Trafford, so it wasn't our home match, but the the amount of noise that they made, it seemed as though it was like at home at Edgebaston. Like it was a proper fan club and it was amazing. Um, So, yeah, I just felt amazing that day. That that was a genuinely great match. And and a a cheeky red inca with the bat, we must mention as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, I hit one ball, one run. 100, 100 strike rate, you know, what more can you want? <laughs> but is the off-field reaction that's been so brilliant and so well-deserved as well, Abtaha, when you look at all the messages of support you've had and all the comments, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it has been. Like, the amount of support, as I said before, like, it's just been amazing to sit and read through it. Um, and it's not just, you know, friends and family and Scottish cricket fans. It's literally fans from across the world. And it's just, it's honestly amazing. I, I can't even put it into words, like, how amazing it has been. Um, obviously, there's going to be some, like, negative comments out there as well, which has been disappointing. But I don't even read them. They're not that important to me. It's the amount of support that I've got is just honestly so cool. And that's that's really helped me along this journey. Oh, most definitely. And, and and a huge part of all of this 
uh, which you've already spoken about so well elsewhere, is representation. And I remember when we, we first spoke about The 100, we did an interview in 2019 that was going to go out as soon as you were officially announced by Phoenix, and that never came because of the postponement of the tournament. But back then you'd spoken about representation and, and how important it was for young Muslim girls to be able to see someone who looks like them playing elite sport on the television. And, and now it's happening and you can you can see that reaction. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, like when I was younger, I never really had that sort of role model. And now I'm hoping that I can be that person for a lot of people. And I've already received like so many messages. And yesterday at the ground, um, we managed to interact with some of the crowd and take pictures and stuff and the amount of people who you know, felt so inspired by, you know, just watching all of us out there in the field was just amazing. So, yeah, I'm glad that that's happening now and the representation, you know, as I said before, is so important and, yeah, I'm glad that I can be part of that. So tell us about Phoenix. Just one win so far, but you've got some fantastic players playing alongside you. It's a tough question to answer, this one, but who would you pick out? Uh, so these girls are amazing. Um, they're so fun to be around and they've been really welcoming as well. Um, I've really enjoyed spending time with Izzy Wong. Um, she's taught me how to solve the Rubik's Cube, which is amazing. I've been doing a lot of that. That's like one of my main learnings from this tournament is how to solve the Rubik's Cube. Um also, Shafali Verma, um, she's quite fun. Um, we both speak like similar languages, so she seems quite at ease when she's with me, so that's good. Um, but yeah, honestly, all of them, they're so nice. Um, like Every single one of them is just amazing. And of course, there's the, the men's team too, who we'll often see warming up as you're, you're finishing off, ready to start their game. Is there much interaction between those two squads? Um, there's not that much just because of COVID. Mm. Um, but we are staying in like the same hotel and I have seen a lot of them about and I've spoken to uh, Moin Ali, which was really cool. Um, and he's like shown support and stuff for me, which is amazing. And then also spoke to Imran Tahir, which was amazing. He gave me some tips on leg spin. So that's pretty cool as well. <laughs> There's so much more we can talk about, but you've done really well to squeeze this in for us. So thank you so much. But one final question, a Rosie special here. <laughs> Which Leaf players would you take on a desert island from your team and why? In terms of entertainment, I would take Izzy Wong for sure. Um, desert island, probably someone quite... I will, Phoebe sounds really seems really like smart and like she knows how to survive in those conditions. So I'll take her. Um, and who else would I take? It's a good question. This I would take Georgia Elvis as well, just because she's one of the nicest people I've ever met. Well, as Rosie said, I mean, thank you so much for finding this time. I know that your schedule is is crazy at the moment. I mean, keep doing what you're doing. We are so proud of you and Catherine and Sarah. We know so well the journey you've all been on as Scottish women cricketers, and you deserve every moment of the success you're having. Go well. Can't wait to chat again when you're back. Thank you very much. The brilliant Abdurham Exude. 
And so, to look back on the weekend's cricket, we're joined once more by Gary Heatley. Welcome back, Gary. Thanks, Jake. Good to be back, as always. Hi, Gary. So let's start with the Scottish Cup. Heriot's Grange, Clydesdale and Watsonians had made it through to the semi-finals. And now we know our finalists. Yes, we do. And it'll be a repeat of the 2012 final as Heriot's and Watsonians progressed to that finale in air on August 22nd. Heriot's bowlers had bowled out Grange, their Grange counterparts for 127 in a league match at Goldmaker a few weeks ago. And once again on Sunday in the semi-final, they were on top at Portugal Place. Elliot Ruthven and Joe Kinghorn Gray gave the Grange batters no time to settle, and then skipper Mark Watt stole the show. The Scotland spinner took five for 11, and seamers Gavin Main and Adrian Neal took two wickets apiece as the Grange innings subsided. Amongst Main's scalps was the key wicket of Dylan Budge, while Michael Sheen was the other wicket taker as the hosts were all out for 88. Great opening bowling from Gordon Gowdy and Budge in reply, then reduced Heriots to 11 for four, before a 48-run partnership between Watt and Sheen got Heriots within 30 runs of victory. However, with Sheen out for 33 to Grange skipper Tom Folds, the Heriots innings wobbled again, and when Chris Ashforth was ninth wicket out, they still needed six runs to win. Neil and Ruthven, both better known for their bowling, both held their nerves with the bat, though, to finish five now respectively, and spark wild celebrations for the visitors, who also won this trophy in 2019. Watsonians have never won the Scottish Cup, but they put in a very impressive showing in the last four tie at Titwood against Clydesdale. Batting first, they lost Greg Brown early on, but Mike Carson and Ollie Harris hit some lusty blows as the innings really caught fire. Carson went for 33, but Harris was at his destructive best with a quick fire 127, while there were important contributions further down the order from Parker Neem and Ben Jones with 52 and 40 respectively, which took their side up to 321 all out and 50 overs. In reply, Seymour Josh Simpson never let the home batter settle, and in the end he finished up with the amazing figures of 6 for 22, while fellow Seymour Tom Pratt took the key wicket of Richie Berrington. Here's his exact place were also in the wickets, as Watsonians defeated Clydesdale by 202 runs. And what's now interesting is that Heriots and Watsonians will meet twice on the weekend of August 21 and 22, first in the league on the Saturday, and then in the cup final in air on the Sunday. So that's bound to be two cracking matches. The regional big hitters crossing hairs meet again. That will be a fantastic occasion. And in the Western Premier, things are ever more fascinating too, Jake. They are absolutely, Rosie. Where four sides now are on a really impressive run of form. I was at New Williamfield to watch one of them, Uddingston, who were looking for their sixth straight win against Stirling County, who are lying just behind them in the table. And they got it on the back of a masterly bowling performance from Amir Gull and another big innings from Moa Wace. It was a completely different picture that greeted me to the one I saw at Albert Park last week. That was about hiding from the sun in the shade. This was more about keeping your coat zipped up. And the difference was seen in the playing conditions as well. A good deal of midweek rain had slowed the outfield up, while the pitch itself was light green and pretty soft, tough for batting, as the Sterling openers Matthew Tweedy and Harry Booker discovered. The opening overs were painstaking with both Neil Alexander and Zishan Azar regularly beating the bat. And it wasn't long before Alexander made the breakthrough as Booker popped one up to Thomas Wilmot at mid-wicket to make it 11-for-1 in the seventh. Brandon McMullen had a less-than-comfortable introduction too, as he offered a difficult chance to mid-off, who didn't appear to pick it up until it was too late. The light under heavy clouds was far from ideal. 
But the two hung in there and steadily began to build a score, Tweedy cutting the first ball of the eighth for the first boundary of the innings and McMullen driving, then cutting successive balls to the rope in the 16th. The 50 partnership arrived, but then, just as the two were looking settled, disaster, as McMullen skied a top edge off Gull, juggled then safely pouched by Fergus Clark. He was gone for 39, the score now 82 for 2, and when Tweedy fell for 34, LBW to Ross Lyons off the final ball of the 31st, Sterling on 92 for 3 was in trouble. Lyons bowled unchanged to finish with 1 for 23, but it was Gull who really turned the screws with 4 for 18 as the Sterling middle order was slowly strangled. Neil Alexander chipped in with another as four wickets fell for eight runs and although Akram Shakur and Paul Bealby put on 34 for the eighth wicket in some style, Bealby going down on one knee to smash a waste for six over deep mid-wicket, that final total of 144 for eight looked a good few runs short of par. By now the sun was shining, but that life remained in the pitch was illustrated by the first ball of the chase which spat up off a length and was well dealt with by Ziggy Ahmed. The fourth over so nearly brought a wicket too, as McMullen found the edge of Oasis' bat, the ball dropping just short of second slip. But the all-rounder found a way through in the eighth, as Ahmed nicked behind, followed next ball by Harmanjit Singh, a carbon copy and two in two. With Uddingston 18 for two, Sterling was back in the game. But Oase is the man in form, and he showed his class again as he and Gull moved gradually up the gears. The 11th over cost 11, and with seven more coming from the 13th, Uddingston were finding that groove that comes from confidence. A drive square from a waist brought up the 50, before back-to-back fours from goal took the total on to 79. At the 20-over mark, the score was 86-2, for 37 ahead of the Duckworth-Lewis guide, but with the sun beating down and the rain clouds long since dissipated, that was not going to be a factor anyone needed to worry about. Especially with a waste at the crease, you get a waste early or you pay the price, said early scorer Michael Clarkson, and he was right. A waste has all the shots, getting to his 50 with a dab behind square before hitting his seventh four to take the Uddingston total to 95. He holed out to Chris Morton shortly after, Booker the bowler, but the hard work was done. Player of the match, Gould, sealed the win with a switch hit for four off the first ball of the 37th, a seven-wicket win, and Uddingston stays a whisker behind Prestwick in fourth. So afterwards, I spoke to the two captains, Sterling County's Matthew Tweedy and Uddingston's Brian Clark. Well, Brian, many congratulations. The the great run continues. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, I know that the guys were excellent again today. A really sort of comprehensive performance. I thought um, we were brilliant with the ball. Um, a couple of changes today, you know, how it goes, guys unavailable for various things. So, um, <laughs> second, we'll have an opening bowlers come in today, Zishan, and, and bowl beautifully up top. Um, Neil Alexander, I guess, Mr. Consistent, one for 20 again, and, and probably could have had a couple more, you know, if it, a bit of luck gone his way. Um, Spinners of bold strangled the, the life out of the game, and I guess um, Amor with four wickets as the start of the show, you know, he's picked up the big one. Uh, Brandon as well, and, and Ross has got Matt Tweedy out, who's been in excellent form all season. So, delighted, thought we were, were really, really good. Um, I guess this is one of these places now where you come knowing that you're going to get a real tough game um, and I think possibly in fairness to Sterling they were maybe one or two guys short today and maybe showed a little bit in their batting um, but it was a challenging pitch early doors, lost the toss and probably one of those tosses you're quite glad to lose because inevitably like most do we would have batted and 
I guess it would have been a struggle to get yourself to a 180, 200, whereas the chasing it's flattened out a little bit. Credit to the guys, second half, I thought, Wes again went about it brilliantly, um, just so calm and, and collected, and he's got this real hunger to score runs. I think that's 610 for the season now or something like that, which is it's fabulous, probably. You know, it's got to end sometime, but he's really, really enjoying his cricket and, and batting beautifully at the moment. Um, I'm a batted four today, I guess. A little bit horses for courses for us that, you know, there's a little bit in the pitch and Amar's one of these sort of canny older cricketers who just knows how to handle it. We've lost two and two balls and, and Amar's batted beautifully and, and really steadied the ship. And Fergus has got a, a pretty good 30 not out and, and seen us home in, in good time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a t- terrific team performance that yeah. you've, you've no, covered through there. And, and, and Clydesdale next week? Clydesdale next week. So, as I've been saying for a few weeks now, I'd rather be playing Clydesdale next week than the week we actually played them when I guess things were a little bit chaotic and whatever else. So, you know, Jake, we've nothing to lose, really. We've, we've this team, by and large, have, have won a league and they've, they've, you know, they've done brilliantly. So, nothing to lose for us. We're just enjoying every single week as it comes at the moment. The Matt, commiserations, tough day today. Yeah, it was a tough one. I think um wasn't sure what to do with the toss, won it for once and then chose to bat and probably in hindsight not the best decision. It was a bit of a soft pitch, it was slow, it was difficult and they bowled quite tight as well. So um yeah, we did okay I and mean, we got to eighty odd for one. Again we we had a decent start in terms of building a partnership. But then myself, Brandon got out similar time and then we lost a few wickets after that. It was a good little rear guard action to get us close to 150, but we really needed 200 on that, I think, and then that would have given us a chance. Yeah, I mean, you had that really good partnership, as you say, with yourself and Brandon, but then it just just sort of fell away, just really tight bowling that kind of strangled the, the middle of the innings, really. Yeah, I'd say, I think that's what their, their spinners did really well, is didn't really give any bad balls. So for people to get off the mark, it took them a long time, then they felt like they had to play a shot that was maybe they weren't quite ready for yet, so... Yeah, it's just the, it's the thing with Scottish cricket is just build dots and dots and dots. People have to play an out shot and then that's when you get your wickets. So, yeah, they, they did very well, to be fair. It's probably the best bowling attack or bowling effort that we've played against this year, I'd say. So, fair play. So, on to Prestwick next week. Yeah, I think so. I think... Um I think we've probably had a tough few games, but I do still believe that we've been able to compete really well with the better teams in this league. This is probably the worst game we've had this year, but all the other ones that we played, we've won one, and a couple, a couple of others that we lost were by within 20 runs. So, again, I'm expecting close games. We just need to make sure that when we're putting a total together, we can get a couple of big partnerships and get that score on the board so we can either defend it or we can chase it. So that's the key for us next week, I'd say. Matt, thanks very much. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Uddingston's next opponents, Clydesdale, are still out in front, but only after surviving quite a scare against second-bottom Pollock. Having bowled them out for 130, Dale found themselves at 51 for 5. But this is a team that has shown its resilience on more than one occasion this year, and Kazim Farid and Imran Mughal were the ones to step up this time, with an unbroken stand of 85 to see them over the line once more. Fergusley maintained their hot pursuit with a 123-run win over Dumfries, Riyad Henry scoring his third century of the season and young off-spinner Quasim Khan taking three for nine, while Prestwick made short work of bottom side Greenock, who were dismissed for 64, Indigit Singh and Azim Akbar taking three for 13 and three for 16 respectively. But the closest game of the day was at Hamilton Crescent, where Langside looked on course for a stunning win over West of Scotland after Mo Cameron and Asak Khan put on a century stand for the fifth wicket. 
But Gavin Smith removed both on his way to figures as 6 for 44 as Langside finished on 219 for 7, just two runs short in the end. Agony for Sammy Zier's side, but they have a big chance to take another massive step towards safety when Greenock come calling next week. Thanks for that, Jake. So, Gary, the weather was a bit different through the East, but there were some important games completed. Yes, that's right. There was three matches in Edinburgh which couldn't be completed due to the rain on Saturday, and that included the Carlton versus Heriot's top-of-the-table clash. What that did allow was third-place Forfarshire to keep themselves very much in the title race, and it was Scotland man Craig Wallace who led the way for them at Victory Park. He hit a superb 132 against host Spiegel, with skipper Scott Cameron sporting a 52 and Callum Garden making 31 as they posted 269 for five, batting first. Peter Drummond made 67 in apply from Eagle. Aman Bailwall and Graham Black took three wickets apiece as Forfs pulled them out for 143. As I say, the result leaves Forfshire well in the title race, while Meagle are now bottom of the table. And after hitting 95 last week, this time our brother Ross McLean hit 97 not out at People's Park as his side saw Stonywood Dice. Those runs from him helped the visitors post 280 batting first, Blair Carnegie also making 63. In the reply, Stoney would threaten to get to their target of 281, with a superb 105 from Jan Stander and 95 from Jack Lamley leading the charge. In the end, Jamie King's men fell just 10 runs short, and that leaves our both 6th on the table and Stoney would dice 8th. Thanks, Gary. So... On to the Women's Super Series, which reached round four with the Ross 11 and the Sutton 11 tied at three games all, Rosie. Yes, Jake. And now they're at four all after a win apiece at Golden Acre. It was a day of two halves made up of two very different games. The first quite low scoring and the second anything but. The Ross 11 took the honours in the game one after restricting the Suttons to 113 for five and the defence of their total of 123 for 9. Abby Aitken Drummond had top scored again with 34 to go with Megan McCall's 32, but it was a tough going pitch that offered plenty for bowlers under the overcast skies. Katie McGill took 3 for 11 as the Rosses posted what looked like a very chaseable score, and despite then losing two wickets for 25 runs, the Sutton 11 looked on track to win as McGill and Ellen Watson took the score past 80. But Watson's departure for 35 was followed by that of Priyanash Chatterjee. And when Captain McGill went to, stumped by Elsa Lister for an excellent 45, there was just too much left to do. A 10-run win for the Ross 11 in the end. But game two saw the Suttons come roaring back in what turned out to be the highest scoring match of the series so far. Ellen Watson set the tone by hitting the first ball off the game for four, whilst Lorna Jack got in in the act by pulling the last ball to the rope. 14 off the first. Soon it was 30 off three as Jack hit her stride, racing to 32 in the fourth as the score hit 44. The 50 came up the next ball as Watson drove for six before Catherine Fraser tempted her by floating up one just a little wider. Ellen danced down the track, missed it, and Elsa Lister did the rest. So 60 for one, but Jack was in the mood, flicking behind square for another four to bring her up to 50 in the 10th over. In the 11th, the team 100 was up as the Ross 11 searched for a breakthrough. And it was Megan McCall who provided it as Carrie Scott top edge to Emily Cavender. But Jack roared on, hooking Hannah Rainey brilliantly for four, rolling her wrist to keep it down. 
a great bouncer from Rainey, and then a shot of the day to meet it. She looked set for 100, but on 86, Becky Glenn got one through her defences and onto the stumps. Off only 55 balls, a strike rate of 156, it was the innings of completion so far. Katie McGill added in some more of her characteristic hitting and a total of 179 for six with a great performance all round. And then, as in game one, the chase took a while to get going after the Ross 11 loss opener Hannah Rainey in the first over. Megan McCall and Becky Glenn put on 55, but two more wickets with the score of 61 knocked their hopes back again. That was until the arrival of Elsa Lister, batting down the order rather than her opening role that she had filled in the first three rounds. And she played that brilliantly, scoring 41 just off 25 balls to bring her side right back into contention. But the loss of McCall for 38 put the team back in the ropes again. And when Orla Montgomery removed Catherine Mills with a snorter and then Elsa in a terrific 19th over, that was that. A final flurry from Zoe Tweedy and Emily Cavender got the Ross 11 up to 154 for seven. Still a brilliant effort. So after the game, Jake spoke to the two captains, Katie McGill and Becky Glenn, and the player of the match, Lorna Jack. Yeah, it's going to be a good weekend next week. Ne- not next weekend, two weekends time. Two weekends time. Two weekends time. It's going to be some good games for the neutrals. I feel first game, we felt light with the bat. Um, but then our fielding and bowling performance is what we've been asking for for the last four weekends. So that was really, really good to see. Um, and then obviously second game, we'll not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't happen, did it? <laughs> Let, let's talk about it a little bit yeah. because, I mean, to be, to be fair, I mean, 179, huge goal that they, that they put up, but to, to score, what, 100, 154 in, in chasing it, there was a really... Uh, really kind of good effort at the chase there. Yeah, I mean, first up, how good was Lorna? She was so good today. Um, like, big up her. Um, I felt we brought, we did well to bring that back, I think. Second, not second half, but the last kind of five overs after we got Lorna out, I feel like we bowled so much better. Um, and we were able to just bring that back. I think they probably would have felt maybe they left a few runs out of there. Um, and to score 154 chasing is obviously we've come short, but to get close enough is is really good to see. I think it's good for the neutral. Great to see Elsa get some runs as well in that uh, in that big partnership they have in the middle there too. Yeah, the two of them bowled so well, didn't they? Um, yeah, good to see Elsa getting some runs. Um, she was due that score, and I think she'd had a few starts um, opening the batting and just good to see her go in and play with a bit more freedom and just enjoy it I think I think and obviously that partnership with Megan was really good okay see another fascinating day with a brilliant win in the second game your thoughts yeah really good win um really good partnership from the other team there in the middle to keep us on our toes but I think with the batting performance like that and Lorna batting her way through that innings and um yeah striking at an unbelievable rate um and classic Lorna Jack style uh, I think was a really good way to set up a game and it was only ours to lose from there. And four games all now uh, going into the into the final round. I mean, the whole aim of the Super Series was to provide two evenly matched sides as possible. Uh, we're kind of succeeding in that. 
Yeah, I think evenly matched, but also with really different characteristics. So it's really interesting that something that's supposed to be equal can teams will find their own way. Um, so yeah, it's been a really good battle through and through. And I think, yeah, it's probably fair enough that it's evens up at the moment. Well, Jackie, you told me after the first game, I wasn't allowed to mention your duck. <laughs> we've got 86 reasons to talk after the second game congratulations thank you very much yeah it's uh, yeah to get a duck in the first game is a bit gutting um, but just cleared my head came out and did my jobs played my shots um, and yeah pulled pulled it off so that's uh, good and it's good to get the, the victory for the team it got a wee bit close there um, but yeah now nah, we've, we've got it so back to our draw and it's all, all to play for in Titwood yeah, I mean, fantastic knock, uh, as I say. And all joking apart, I mean, what were the, the main differences in the conditions in the first and the second games, do you think? Um, I think the pitch became a bit slower in the second game. Um, there wasn't as much kind of variation popping up. Um, so played it nicely into to my uh, small height, you know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it, played, it came on nicely for, for the batters um, and the bowlers just had to put it in there a right area to get a dot but um, luckily I managed to pull it off and hit it elsewhere. And as you say, all to play for at Titwood? Absolutely, yep. Back to a draw. It's a shame to lose the first game. I thought we were quite, well, we, we should have won it and we, we were in it but um, it wasn't to be um, and we've pulled it back there with a magnificent batting uh, from everybody. So, yeah, no, proud, happy. It's the Beyond Boundary Scottish Cup quarterfinals next week, but it'll be a brilliant finale in two weeks' time. It certainly will, yes. It's been a fabulous series on top of the Women's Premier League, and I'm really looking forward to the Cup games next week too. So, what's catching your eye for next week then, Gary? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the domestic cricket really is just keeps on coming. And uh, this Thursday, the Men's Regional Pro Series final takes place at Titwood between Eastern Knights and the Western Warriors, and that should be a cracking match with lots of players in form and then moving forward to Saturday in the Eastern Premier Division leaders Heriots are hosting third place Forfarshire at Goldmaker so that'll be a really intriguing match too then on Sunday there's the men's national T20 final stage you mentioned earlier are both while Morton and Hillhead meet in the Challenge Cup final so there's loads of cricket to look forward to and it should be some cracking matches at the weekend yeah, I'm similar um, to Gary as well. I'm looking forward to the, the Scottish Cup first round and seeing how that pans out. Some tough games ahead uh, with Carlton against Jumel and uh, Dumfries and Galloway against West of Scotland. So looking forward uh, to seeing how all of those pan out. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I think I'll be watching Uddingston again, to be honest. Uh, I was at their first game of the season against Clydesdale and I'm very much looking forward to seeing how the return leg goes at Titwood. Huge game, that one. Langside Greenock, too, is a crucial match for both sides. You feel it is very much a must win for Greenock. And then on Sunday, I'll be at Grange Lone for that uh, beyond boundary Scottish Cup tie between Carlton and Stu Mell, the only side to have beaten them in the league, of course. That was a great game first time around and looking forward to seeing some more of the same. But that's it from us for another week. Thanks again to all of our guests and to you, as always, for listening. Until next time, from the three of us, goodbye.